Anyang SAO, welcome to Afternoona Delight, where Leah, Megan, and Amy, three American romance novelists discussing all things K-romance from a writer's lens. We fangirl over our favorite actors and actresses, talk up our trope addictions, and nerd out on K-drama deep dives. We'll throw in a few K-pop and K-skincare wrecks for good measure, because why not ride the haul you wave all the way to shore? So grab some duck bokeh and listen to your new favorite unnees. Hey, everybody. Hi there. Hello. So, Leah, tell us where you are. I come from a land down under. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so we're now taking uh, Afternoon of Delight International for a little while. Is that like a fun new step, I guess? Maybe if you're at home, <laughs> it doesn't feel that different. <laughs> but I am coming at you live from tomorrow. So... <laughs> right. My workmates are very impressed because, you know, it's a day ahead in Australia from U.S. time. And so one of my coworkers is like, so if you're in tomorrow, like, what does that mean? I'm like, it means I can see the future. And she was like, will the Warriors win game five? And I was like, yes. And then she wrote back and was like, well, clearly you can see the future because they did. <laughs> I mean, look, me even dropping that makes it look like I know more about what I'm talking about than I do. <laughs> Um, so let's be real. I don't know much about the Golden State Warriors, but they are playing something. Maybe it's the playoffs, I'm guessing, because it's like many games and they seem like they care. So they're doing something important. Right this now. is bad. I mean, we're talking NBA, right? Like, So I don't know if it's like the playoffs or the run up to the playoffs, whatever it is. But the other big sports news that Amy did reach out to was that I didn't. Yeah, you Megan did. Oh, I thought you did. What? The Socceroos? That was that was Megan. That was yeah. Megan? Oh, I thought that was you, Amy. I was like, look at you knowing about soccer when you were Megan, okay. but it was Megan, Megan sorry. is the soccer person here. <laughs> it was me. But I was like, I guess like Amy really cares yeah. deeply about the World Cup as well. All that to be said, the Socceroos, the Australian soccer team, you know, it was a little dicey if they were going to make it into the World Cup. They lost some key games, but they have squeaked it out by the skin of their teeth and with their tiny little kangaroo paws grabbed a spot in the World Cup. Their team is really called the Socceroos. <laughs> Correct. And the girls' soccer team is called the Matildas, like waltzing Matilda. Yeah, that's that's why it's so precious. <laughs> oh my gosh. Yeah, I mean, I, I watched the Australia game. I was, root, uh, you know, my son and I both watched it. We were rooting for the Socceroos. We had fun watching the shootout because the, the Australian goalie was something else. And so, yeah, we had a, we, I'm, very happy for the Socceroos. I can't wait to watch them in the World Cup. Yeah, so World Cup is when Megan's fall, right? Yeah, yeah. Because I felt like we were on this big run-up, and I was like, great, World Cup, when's it happening? And I'm like, oh, it's not for, like, a while. Yeah, they get, like, a big break, and then it's... Uh, because it's Qatar, right? And it's going to be too hot yeah, to Yeah, correct. Summer. So it'll be in Qatar, and um, I'm excited. I'll be rooting for South Korea and the United States and the Socceroos. I think that's about it. <laughs> <laughs> New Zealand. I'm rooting for New Zealand too. And it looks like Iceland's out because I do remember Team Iceland was like visually stunning last time. So I was trying to figure out how they were going and then I didn't see them in the lineup Ugh. because they Bummer. were like the Viking team of like my Ugh. my fantasies, you know. Ugh. Soccer shorts just do something to me. I don't know why. <laughs> no, it's true because sometimes I have like worried in the past about like you know, I never want to be in a position where I'm like fetishizing like Korean actors and, you know, idols and things like that. And, you know, we've talked before about that being problematic. And I was like, honestly, 
I don't think I'm at a big risk of like fetishizing and like limiting myself to like, you know, one type of person because my heart is very expansive mm-hmm. and I have like a giant Viking king. <laughs> I mean, who doesn't? <laughs> truly, truly though. Who who doesn't? <laughs> oh my gosh. Watching The Northman recently, I have to say it was just like, I felt like I went to the movies and watched porn. <laughs> oh, it was that? Okay. I have to check it out. Yeah, it was bloody and not I'm meant glad to be you porn. enjoyed yourself. <laughs> but for me, like just like sweaty, hairy men taking drugs and becoming berserkers and becoming like wolf wolf men that like attack things with their mouths, like they take over villages on drugs, far Western Russia. Anyway, I've digressed enough for one episode. <laughs> no, sign me up. That Our banter is amazing. either cat depression, <laughs> mealworms, or my like disgusting viking kink where it's like look gore like it's not that i love gore by any stretch but it doesn't even phase me in viking stuff i'm like yeah yeah like be brutal it's just gonna do it for me yeah Uh, well i actually i was on fantasy fantasy life not real life i don't want the vikings in real life just during my village enslaving me look (laughs) i i I recently had a not well i a a viking romance like complete binge where like i just wanted Mm. all the viking romance i could get and especially if it was labeled like berserker romance i yes the berserker stuff is there's this one berserker like shifter series i'm talking i poured through that thing it is so good what do they yeah. shift into? Like wolves? I think they shift into like wolves, but they're like, you know, faded mates, just, you know, all up my alley. Yeah, I'm here for it. It's definitely problematic, but you know what? That's just like the little slice of life and <laughs> problematic violent sexuality is apparently <laughs> like my trademark. <laughs> it's like the dichotomy of it is just, oh God. <laughs> that is. You know what? You don't only like one thing, and that, you know, it shows that you have broad, mm-hmm. expansive taste. It's true. It's true. And those of you listening at home may feel the same as well. You may like a, you know, sweet fish-eyed kiss, or you might be tuning into Kin Porsche, uh, the Thai male-male uh, love story, which, you know, we'll touch on during the course of this drama today, which has officially gone off the rails in the best <laughs> of ways. Anytime we can talk about Viking, Viking berserker shifters. <laughs> All right. Well, let's get into what we're talking about today, because today, you know, we wanted to do something a little different that hopefully is going to be um, fun for all. (laughs) Yes. So we have different tastes here at Afternoona, which we think is a good thing. We have a host that will swoon with you over historicals, air punch with you during action scenes (laughs) and cry with you over heart wrenching romances and scenes that take place in a tea room. (laughs) <laughs> and watch them over <laughs> and over again on YouTube. Yeah. We know that our listeners... Yeah, a painful crack. Yeah. <laughs> we know that our listeners appreciate our deep dives where we all watch a drama and then give our takes on it. But we also do enjoy branching out to watch dramas that intrigue us individually. But we aren't quite sure yet that they are good for like a full pod watch. So tonight we're each taking a drama that we have enjoyed recently and selling each other on it. And maybe you. Will Leah get us to watch Slice of Life Angst? Will Megan get us to watch Bloody Anbo Hyun? We will see. 
So first, let's talk about what drama or dramas we're watching now and how we feel about them. So I am currently watching Tomorrow and Prison Playbook, um, both of which we're going to be covering on the pod uh, soon. And I'm enjoying both very much for very different reasons. They're very different dramas. But I, I really love it. I know, I, Megan, I know you've already watched Prison Playbook, so I know that you 100% agree. And I also know that you've started tomorrow so that I don't have to sell you very much um, on that drama tonight, but I'm going to to still do so. But yeah, very enjoyable dramas for very different reasons. And I'm excited to uh, to sell you both on tomorrow in a little bit. So for me, I just wrapped Our Blues, which is the drama I'm going to attempt to sell you both on tonight. And the fact that I'm going to say it's like if my mister in hometown cha-cha-cha had a baby tells me I have a heavy lift. <laughs> but, you know, the cast <laughs> is big heavy hitters from Kim Woo Bin making his comeback to his beautiful fiance Shin Min Ah to Mr. Sunshine himself, Lee Byung-hun, to one of the hardest working ajumas in showbiz, um, Lee Jung-un from Parasite, When the Camellia Blooms, and uh, our meat marinator from strangers from hell <laughs> and you know in this drama she's actually like a feisty voice of reason and not uh, a murderer or someone with like you know some horrible secret she's sitting on so it's a nice change of pace um i'm also deep in kin porsche which we touched on briefly uh it's a thai male male uh that is currently off the rails plot wise in the best of ways um all i'm gonna say is last episode featured <laughs> a BDSM sadist sex dungeon that had a hedgehog in a birdcage. Take that as you will. <laughs> um, I'm also watching so Insider, good. Kong Han Nul's uh, recent comeback. If it doesn't get canceled, uh, there's a lot of controversy that's brewing right now among netizens. Um, yes, uh, I know. Oh, I didn't so know this. it seems as if... Um, Buddhists in Korea in particular are taking big issue with the fact that Insider has a lot to do with um, illicit gambling, especially in the first two episodes. And um, some Buddhist temples are featured as places that have illicit gambling taking place. So that's made some Ooh. people big mad. Ooh. I don't know. For me personally, it didn't feel like a sweeping uh, statement on like the nature of Buddhist temples as like fronts for gambling, you know, <laughs> but yet. Who knows? Sometimes yeah. when uh, social media gets going, it can be difficult. So anyway, if it doesn't get canceled, I'll continue with that. And then I'm also watching Prison Playbook. And both of these dramas offer very different perspectives of the South Korean prison system. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, like I already like the first episode of Prison Playbook. I'm like, so wait, they have a flat screen TV in yeah, their Prison cell. Playbook's like, I think I just want to go R&R <laughs> at the prison where, <laughs> yeah. Insider is not that. Yeah. Insider. Okay. Now do you understand? Now do you understand that after I finished watching Prison Playbook, I was yeah, like, I no, want to go to prison now. Insider is definitely not making <laughs> me want to even get remotely close to a prison. <laughs> yeah. And just, just, I mean, there are like bad things that, I mean, that happen in prison. I don't want to go to prison, no. but I just mean Prison Playbook. That yeah. Prison, it is right. Like that one. It maybe. is uh, uh, like a, a nice soft prison. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, there's some, you know, there's, there's some stabbing and, you know. Yeah, yeah. we'll be podcasting yeah. on this there soon are bad and people. unpacking the, uh, you know, the fact that there <laughs> yeah. was a choice to make an idealized prison drama and what that means. Yeah, absolutely. It's interesting. 
Okay, so I am also, I just started tomorrow, so I'm not very far into it. Also really enjoying it, but again, I'm like still at the very beginning. Um, it's definitely not a type of drama that I'm like feel compelled to binge, but that's not a bad thing. Um, right. it's, it's, it's a little episodic, m- similar to Move to Heaven, which is totally fine. Like, I actually really, really enjoy dramas like that. I'm going to talk about okay, sorry. that. I'm selling the drama. Sorry, you're right, okay? you're right, you're right. <laughs> So um, I'm also watching Ken Porsche. As Leah said, it is off the rails. I don't care. I am so invested in what is going on. I am so sad I cannot binge Ken Porsche. Like there's a, there's one I'm used to like K-dramas that, that at least they give you like two episodes a week. Two. And you can kind of watch them back to back because like I would I would wait till both, you know, were subs and I would watch them back to back. Whereas Ken Porsche is just like, no, you get one episode. We are edging the shit out of you for this one it is true edging but as much as i yeah. hate it like i like the pain i also kind of love it because yeah. it's it gives me something to look forward to like every weekend that i know i'm gonna get like my kin portion and fix, i can so, mull on yeah. the hedgehog and what it's seen in the sex dungeon for a week but <laughs> leah and i message <laughs> each other after that episode and we're like that hedgehog has seen things like <laughs> things no well, small mammal should see. That's like with you. <laughs> yeah. I was going to say, Megan, that's like you talking about in um, in our our uh, Heat Levels episode about readers checking in with you and saying, like, did you leave the dog in yeah. the room while they were having sex? Like, well, what happens when you leave a hedgehog Exactly. In the room? Like, viewers will pay attention. Like, is this hedgehog just, like, hanging out, watching you, like, whip each other? Thing, Amy, this wasn't like a hedgehog that, like, has other parts, like, in the drama and they just forgot the hedgehog. Like somebody, yeah, who was doing like the the plot styling. Like Megan was like, it's funny they didn't choose like a snake or like a pet that. Yeah, I was like, instead they're like, no, we're going with the hedgehog. It's like a cute little pet. It's so this is like an ornament of the sex dungeon. Yeah, it's like like a decoration gag. Here is like you know chains. Here is you know electric prods, and then here is the hedgehog. Which I mean, look, right? And it was in a birdcage of some sort. Yeah, the whole thing was weird. Yeah, I was. I guess I was just like, who decided? Who decided they're going to put a hedgehog in here? Like, why isn't it like what? What? What should have been like a pet scorpion? Like a snake. I don't, I mean, I don't know. They sent kudos. an intern. To, yeah, they sent an intern to the pet store and they yeah. were like, just get something wacky. And they were like, <laughs> yeah. And he's like, I, I mean, the hedgehog was spiky. <laughs> Come back with something. Yeah. The hedgehog's. I just want I'm like, hoping it will continue because the sex dungeon has just know. kind of become I'm a thing. Here. And my dream will be that like during some of the scenes that are going to be very uncomfortable physically and emotionally to watch, I want to see that hedgehog in the background just on a like hamster wheel living its best life. Yeah. <laughs> and it, and it's like squeaking. It's like <laughs> Like, like you humans are flawed. Like a sadist <laughs> villain, you know, gonna like, like carry him around like Doctor yes. Evil and like stroke. Him. Like I have so many questions about this hedgehog. It's like Grandpa, Grandpa Me Ghost too. from Color Rush. If yeah, like honestly, the first as soon as I saw the hedgehog, that's all I could think yes. about for the rest of the episode. It's- like just there, it's probably just gonna be. Yeah, there I mean, and clearly, I'm like overseas. I've flown across an ocean, and I'm that's still funny. thinking about that. Oh, uh, God bless Kin Porsche. It's so great. Okay. So, um, yeah, now we're going to get into the, I guess, sell us section. And so, look, we're going to try and mostly talk about these dramas without, like, major spoilers. Um, 
um, I think we're all kind of like a little cautious of that. So I think you're okay to proceed. Um, but yeah, just wanted to to say that first. And up first, we have Amy, and she's going to let you know what she is trying to sell us on. Yeah, so I'm going to be talking about tomorrow, and I can guarantee you that I'm not going to hopefully spoil too much because I haven't finished the whole thing yet. I'm on episode 10, so I'm getting there. Um, but I... I can't tell you how it ends because I can't tell you how it ends, but I can tell you what's going on so far and why I love it. So in tomorrow, Rowoon, who, by the way, you know, we talked a while ago about what our age floors are for, you know, who we crush on in K-dramas and our age ceilings. We know that Leah does not have a ceiling, (laughs) I don't think, Um, but... I think I have lowered my age floor specifically for Rawoon. And I know that this means that I have to watch The King's Affection now because I am heavily in love with uh, with this actor. And anyway, so in Tomorrow, Rawoon plays Choi Jun Wung, a young guy who just wants to make his mother and sister proud by landing a respectable job. He is charming as hell in interviews, but he gets passed over again and again. And we see in the first episode that once more he gets passed over for position due to his counterpart being hired because of nepotism. So he had no cho- no chance. One night, when he's wallowing in his fields over not getting a job, walking across a bridge, he sees a man trying to jump off said bridge and intervenes to try and save him, not knowing that two Grim Reapers, who are part of Heaven's risk management team, are there to do the exact same thing. So Jin Wung goes over the bridge with the man, and while the stranger is saved, he ends up in a coma and in deep shit with the Jade Emperor and the risk management team up in heaven. So to make up for almost botching their job of saving someone from taking their own life, he's offered a deal. If he works for the risk management team for six months, he'll come out of his coma, right as rain, and be able to go back to his life. Otherwise, his coma will last three years. Yikes. So he reluctantly takes the deal to help the RM team, risk management. And from here, we get many vignettes, like Megan was saying, very episodic um, sort of episodes of people, and yes, maybe a dog, who want to take their own lives for various reasons, the Reapers who try to stop them, and the overarching framework of our Reapers' backstories that encompass their own agendas of why they are even on the risk management team. So there's a lot going on just to set this drama up, which I think is really good, because even though the episodes themselves are vignettes that last like maybe one or two episodes, you still have this framework story that kind of keeps you intrigued and wanting to know more. But like Megan was saying before, you don't need to binge. And I don't think that this is a bad thing because you can still have a life and watch this drama. And, you know, like I'm, you know, double dipping doing Prison Playbook as well, because we had that one coming up on the podcast. So what originally drew me to this drama was that it was about Grim Reapers. I've had a thing for Reapers since Goblin, and maybe even before Lee Dong-wook played, I think, the best Reaper that we've, you know, all ever seen. I actually have a synopsis for a Grim Reaper young adult novel series that I may or may not write someday, but honestly, like, that was all it took to sell me on the premise of this drama is that it was about Grim Reapers. Then it only took one episode to hook me. And I know that some of you are probably thinking, okay, but it's like about a really sensitive subject, which it is. It's about suicide. Like every 
person that the reapers try to help is somebody who wants to take their own life for one reason or another. And so, yes, they give a trigger warning, a content warning at the beginning of every episode. But for some reason, this subject matter is working the way that the writers are are treating it. So let's talk about like how I feel about it overall. Like, first of all, can we say Rowoon 10 times? Because that might give you an idea of my feels. But for real, I, and here's the weird thing, like I laugh out loud just about every episode because the comedy in this is top notch, but I've also cried in more than one episode, probably almost as many as I've laughed. So how this drama balances tear-inducing comedy with extremely emotional and poignant stories about people who have lost their will to live speaks to some really good nuanced writing. It somehow all works. Plus, because the show is, you know, like I said, the vignettes, it is satisfying to watch an episode or two and then kind of go on about your day um, and come back to it when you have the time to. I don't think a drama needs to be bingeable to be good, and I think tomorrow is a great example of how this works. So we're talking about comps for our dramas as well, and Megan had mentioned Move to Heaven, which I think is a really good comp for this because just like Move to Heaven was very sort of episodic, but then had the framework story, this works in very much the same way. It's a little bit longer than Move to Heaven, but it's still like you can have that satisfying sort of ending to the immediate story, and be able to take a break, which I think is kind of helpful sometimes when you have life outside of K-drama, which none of us want to have life outside of K-drama, but we do. Um, And I also mentioned Goblin. I think Goblin's a great comp as well, because I don't want to, I mean, if there's like the one or two of you out there who haven't seen Goblin, I'm not going to spoil it for you, but there are some similarities in the role of a Reaper in Goblin and in Tomorrow as well, as far as, you know, kind of like how you get the job. Um, why should everybody watch it? Or at least why should you two watch it? Like, I already sold Megan on it. She already started. And I think that, Megan, I think you're agreeing so far as, you know, how it's working weirdly with the comedy and the heavy subject matter. Um, Leah, you already love Rowoon from The King's Affection. And I just know that you're, I know that you're gonna, like, love the mysterious, Lee Soo-hyuk as the leader of the Escort Reaper team, who um, that team brings the souls over to the other side. I've already shown you, like, screen grabs of him, and he dresses like Neo from the Matrix and gives some Adam Driver, Kylo Ren vibes. So, I mean, if that doesn't sell you, I don't know what will. (laughs) Yeah, I actually, I do want to add that I totally agree with you on, like, this weird juxtaposition between humor and, like, the subject matter. I don't know how they're doing it, but they're striking this really delicate balance yeah. that is great uh I, I i love it i wasn't expecting it and and me either and every time it happens i'm like i am i allowed to be laughing right now like look at this but like right. it just like there's no poking fun at Mm-mm. suicide or anything like that it is not that at all like the funny moments come like you said like balanced against the really heavy stuff and it's just yeah. it's done really well i mean rowan i think rowan plays this like perfect he just plays the perfect character that like helps there be you know comedy but yet he also can really be vulnerable and emotional and yeah and i mean like you like i said i'm only on on episode 10 of 16 and the growth that his character has had already like is i mean i don't know how this is going to end and i kind of like that that i get to talk about it that i'm you know kind of you know 
really excited about this drama, not knowing where it's going to go, because the possibilities are really kind of endless. So I, I really like that about it. The whole main cast is a great ensemble. Like I'm intrigued by our main Reapers backstories and what their end game is, because they do have their own agendas and goals. Like they are not just like part of this team for the heck of it. And in the first half of the drama, very little has been revealed. So I have no idea where this sort of framework story is going. Rarun's character is really coming into his own by the end of the first half, as far as being good at his quote unquote job, which is really all he's ever wanted. So I think there's a little bit of irony in that, that uh, all he's wanted is to have a good job that he's good at. And here he's found one, but he's literally like his, you know, corp his corporal uh, body is in a hospital bed in a coma while he's, you know, walking around in another sort of skin suit. Like, he's not himself, which I think is also really funny. Like, we see him as Rowoon, but then, you know, you get a glimpse of him in, you know, a mirror or, you know, a window, and he's like this, you know, middle-aged man, and it's... Yeah, he's just so yeah, old, it's, dude. It's really it's funny. so great. Like, acting like a 25-year-old guy. Um, yeah. And, like, I know he wants to get back to his grieving mother and sister who have hit hard financial times due to his hospital bills, but I have a feeling he's going to be really torn about leaving his place on the RM team. And also, I feel like there's some really cool, like, special effects in some of the episodes that give me, like, Christopher Nolan vibes, like, a la Inception and Tenet. And it's just a very unique drama with an equally unique premise that somehow works as long as the subject of suicide isn't too triggering for for the viewer but yeah there's i mean i just i don't know i can't i can't say enough like i'm just really really enjoying it it's really different i think than anything i've watched so far even though we've got some comps to it and i think you both would really like it i just want to say 100 percent agree about the christopher nolan inception like special effects I was super impressed. I thought yes. it looked really awesome, and it did really remind me of Inception. And I also just want to give, like, a shout to the actors, because, like, I'm really only mentioning Rowoon and, like, Lee, Lee Hyuk a little bit, but, like, it is a great ensemble. Like, the RM team that he's working with um, also has Kim Hee-sun and uh, Yeon Ji-on, and then our our King of Heaven or our Jade Emperor is Kim Hae-suk from... Um, what do you call it? Uh, hospital playlist, right? She's Rosa from Hospital Playlist, and she is basically like the queen of heaven, and she's fantastic. So I'm, I'm just, I'm really excited to see what, um, what it's really all about because definitely our reapers have backstories that are very, very much haunting them right now, and I want to find out what's going to happen with them. Yeah, I'm in for any. Hang right. on, sorry, somebody's trying to call me. I'm in for anything. Um, that has Rowoon in that kind of a suit because, I mean, that's just like, a, it's a whole situation. Like you said, it gives off that matrix. Yeah. Well, no, Rowoon's not wearing that. Uh, he's not. He's not in suit. He's in suits. Oh, he's in suits, but he's not like matrixy looking. No. Well, he I don't know. Neo sometimes is in just that black suit with the yeah. white in the tie. Yes, he is. Oh, yeah. So he is He is just in the suit, but it's it's Lee Suhyuk who's the one who is, is very neo is Yeah, okay, okay. She's always got the trench coat. And yeah, fair, fair. But I he guess... Does not, he does not smile. <laughs> yeah, it's good stuff. It's good stuff. He looks like a vampire. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, Reaper... I will watch anything Reaper. I mean, I feel like you had a I love very... I Like, a very not difficult time selling me on this drama, because first, know, it's Rowoon, and secondly, I think that, like, I will watch anything with Reapers, 
from like this point forward until like, you know, I don't know. I don't I don't think I can get exhausted from that trope. I don't think that we've ever seen Reapers quite projected the way I mean, because Tale the Nine Tailed, I loved how they projected like the underworld is almost like exasperated, you know, office stuff. And then they had that same vibe a little bit going into like Goblin. And so is there an yeah. exasperation that happens in tomorrow? Because I do like that. Like, oh, gosh, yes. Like they have meetings. They have meetings. Yes. And there is this guy who is like, you think it's the same guy who's like, sort of like at the registration desk and he's all over the place. But he's like 100 percent. There's like, like these office workers. It's, it's so like funny. And who's like the same person, like all over the place. It's re- it's really funny. Like when they're in heaven, yes, there's definite exasperation. They have like team meetings and they have, I mean, at Megan, this is not a spoiler. I don't think you've gotten there yet, but there is, um, there is, uh, an IT incident, like where their computers go down and the way that they find, the way that they find out that somebody needs their help on the risk management team is it's an app on their phones. And when their network goes down, they have to find out who at this like one office is the one who needs their help without being able to see them on the app. So they're trying to like. <laughs> yeah, the app is really a cool. That's another thing, too. They have like an app. Yes. Like it's it's so cool. It's really like, honestly, it, it feels very unique and fresh to me as a whole and concept. Of it's of a just drama. really I, I like it a lot. It's got some style. Yeah, mm-hmm. it's visually stunning. Okay, and now we have our favorite segment of the podcast, and that is the K-pop Wreck of the Week. And this week, we have Leah. Whew, so it has been a 48 hours. <laughs> so I'm not going to get deep into the shitstorm that has taken ARMY by, uh, I don't know, our metaphorical boobs and balls, <laughs> because it's been a lot. Um, but just to sum it up really quickly before I move into our wreck, because I feel like you can't make the wreck of the week if you're me without acknowledging kind of like the elephant in the room, which is it has been an unusual, let's say, comeback for BTS. So many of us, especially in the West, are more of like the pandemic armies. So getting into, you know, at a time after they've done some of like their more seminal work, like, you know, culminating with Map of the Soul 7. And so... Basically, what we have found out is they've like released this um, anthology proof is like a retrospective of their past nine years is that they're going to take they're going to take some time. Hiatus is a word being used. It could be a sabbatical. They're going to take some time from producing group content and the uh, musical content. They are not going to be going on a world tour right now. They are going to figure out what they want to say as BTS as a whole group. And in the meantime, they are going to be focusing on some solo work that is going to be getting the full Hybe uh, album machine treatment. So these are not mixtapes that are just going to be kind of like released into the ether. These are going to be like big money investment behind the albums, kicking off with J-Hope, who is going to be doing um, his first solo performance at Lollapalooza in Chicago this summer. And um, and so, yeah, there's a lot going on. Uh, by the time this airs, we may have more answers on what's happening with BTS military enlistment. There's a lot of um, pretty solid rumors that like those announcements are forthcoming soon. So there's a lot happening. If uh, you listen to BTS, um, if you're ARMY, if you're not ARMY and you just like like the band, if you're just aware that K-pop exists. My mother-in-law at the table yesterday was like, I heard BTS broke up. That's the group you like. And I was like... Take those words out of your mouth. (laughs) (laughs) 
I don't but, <laughs> um, you know, I think that this is a rich topic for How a dare in the you? future, not to like tease some things that we may have in the works. But I think the idea that they're taking a break to find creative voice in an industry which um that we have all like not to draw say K pop's like romance writing, but these are both like commercial entertainment spaces where you do create content at a very brisk pace. And sometimes it you can lose what you're trying to do or sense of self in trying to produce content so rapidly. And so I believe that that is basically the sentiment that was acknowledged by uh, the leader, Kim Nam Joon or Rap Monster or RM. And I think that's something that we can really respect as creatives as well. So from that, Proof is a really fun anthology. I think it's a really great um, overview. And if you listen to it, I think you really get a sense of like who BTS is. Um, There are some, um, there's three like brand new tracks that are on, um, on the album. And the one that I want to make a recommendation for tonight is not yet to come because I do think yet to come Look, I'm here for nostalgic music. I enjoyed the song. I think given like the context of where they're going right now, it's even more poignant. But I'm also down for just like a good ass shaking anthem. So I'm going with Run BTS, which is truly the song on the album that I think is like, you know, a really fun standout. Um, it may not be like my favorite song of theirs of all time, but I think it's got high energy. It's really fun. And there's a section in it that um, I think is going to be really amazing. And I saw somebody kind of break this down on um, TikTok, maybe uh, a friend shared it, that there's a time in the song where they kind of go through the members names and talk about like, I'm proud of you and like how you've grown up and like where you're at. And that hits well right now. But I just think that eventually we are going to have that world tour again. We are going to be able to like see them in person. We're going to be able to see this this performance and the song um, live. And I think that that sense of like being proud of them at that point in the future, the song's going to have even more like emotional impact and resonance. And I'm really excited for when that day can come. So my wreck of the week is BTS, Run BTS, uh, which is one of the new songs off their anthology proof. I love that song, too. So I'm glad you made that recommendation. Yeah, it's I do. funny. I really, it makes really you want to just song. shake your ass, honestly. It does. It's so fun. And it's, like, really upbeat. Yeah, that, too. Well, kind of makes me shake like your ass and, like, you know, <laughs> boss out. <laughs> yep. Like a good gym, you know, if yep. you need, like, a yep. workout song, it's perfect. If you enjoy our podcast, you have our patrons to thank. At least in part. Afternoon of Delight Patreon allows us to keep creating content for y'all to enjoy. Thank you so much to everyone who is supporting us there. And not to brag, but our Patreon community is pretty awesome. And you can join at a tier that feels good to you. Gain access to fun perks like K-drama posts, monthly Patreon-only bonus podcasts, and even a live K-drama support group on Zoom. Because we know firsthand what it's like to have no one to talk to about those crazy plot twists, amazing characters, and all those feelings. And look, no one should have to walk that walk alone. So learn more by visiting AfternoonAdelight.com. That's www.AfternoonAdelight.com. And hey, while you're on the website, you can check out Afternoona Delight podcast merch, find links to book recommendations, bop along to our K-pop recs, Glow up your skin with K Merch Rex. Find all of our social media and a link to our email so you can send us recommendations or feedback. And hey, while you're at it, 
why don't you pop over to Spotify or Apple Podcasts and leave us a five-star review? It really helps with our discoverability. Gamsamnida. Okay, so Amy, I don't think you had such a difficult time selling us on a drama that one of us you've already sold on and the other has like a thing for both the main uh, the main lead plus the concept overall. I will say I think I have a uphill task, but I am here for it and I don't mind hard work. So the drama that I am going to attempt to sell you both on is Our Blues. And a brief premise is, um, so first of all, it's available on Netflix. For me, this is the best K-drama I've seen in 2022. And I think now it is in my all-time top 10. I need to like write out my top 10 list. I really like making like top 10, top five, top three lists. They hurt me and I enjoy it and I don't know why. And so I think this one I am now going to say is in my top 10. And on the surface, look, the show appears to be this like quirky slice of life drama all about a community of folks living in Jeju, South Korea's largest island. And it uses the main market um, as a hub of action. This is also like a masterful drama of characterization. And it really takes its time. I'm going to make this point a number of uh, a number of different times uh, during my like sales pitch. Um But I think it's something that gets stronger as you watch it, which is always like my favorite in a K-drama as when I feel like it just keeps getting better. Um, And it's 20 episodes, (laughs) but the series really ties itself together in this complex story of over a dozen characters. And in the end, you're kind of left with this unforgettable picture of love, family, forgiveness, and what it truly means to be a community. And Mm. I think, you know, anyone who's watched even a handful of Korean dramas understand that the storylines often deal with things like child abuse or debt, potentially unexpected pregnancy, bullying, uh, prejudice against the disabled, death by suicide. Our Blues has all of this. And yet I think it resolves these heavy topics in meaningful ways that doesn't ever get too saccharine. And so look, the drama starts off slowly. And honestly, I disliked a few of the initial characters who get most of the focus enough that I almost DNF'd in the first couple of episodes. But again, that slow, steady pacing is really intentionally part of the point and real life resolutions don't occur immediately. But there is this like very true catharsis when they do. And I still don't know why I was so dry eyed for my mister. I enjoyed the drama, but like, look, I was really looking to like have this like cathartic weeping experience that so many had and I didn't, but my cheeks were wet with our blues. It hurt me and it truly did heal me. So what drew me to start the drama? (sighs) The opening vignette was really rough for me. So (laughs) I'm going to just, I really want to make the point that it starts off to me emotionally rough. I didn't enjoy the characters much. Um, especially like the fir- the first main male character that we see. Um, but by the end of like his vignette, I really did find some peace with like where he went. But stick in because the drama gets its hooks into your heart at the beginning of episode four. And I want to give a general premise. There's some spoilers here, but not really like you- it's pretty laid out clearly like what the conflict is. So we have childhood best friends Ho Sik, who's a single dad and he's an ice seller. So he sells ice to like the fishmongers at the market. And, you know, he's like lower middle class, hard worker, and he lives with and lives for his bright daughter, Yongju. Like really, she's like his reason for everything. 
And um, also in their apartment building is In Kwan, who's a former gangster who also now has turned into a food stall owner. And he's very busy raising his bright son, Jung Hyun. So these days, the fathers almost comically despise each other for painful reasons that eventually get revealed. But at the beginning, you just see that they like hate each other and they're constantly just having these like ridiculous like arguments everywhere. So neither of them, and this is an understatement, are remotely stoked to find out that Yongju, who is the number one student at the school, has become secretly pregnant by her number one cl- or number two classmate, Jung Hyun. So, <laughs> yeah. So these like two dads who like were such good friends have had this very painful falling out. Both live for their children have huge dreams for their children. Their children are like the brightest sparks in the school. Well, they got busy on some some off time. And they even talk about how they wore a condom. But she's like, did you buy this cheap, shitty condom? And we find out like the dad had given him the condom. Anyway, she's not stoked to find out she's pregnant either. Um, So the dads pressure the two to abort the pregnancy. And the teenagers end up taking this unwavering stance. And honestly, it is not this pro-choice versus pro-life situation, because I think that would have just taken me out of the drama altogether. Like, if we had gone into something like that, I think I would have just pieced out. But it felt like this realistic, um, although probably too idealistic view of these young people making, like, this plan that they're like, you know, we're going to keep the baby. Papa, don't preach. We're in trouble deep, but, like, I'm keeping my baby. I like that plot a lot. Um, like, and I they make a plan uh, to have... Uh, the girl attend right. university first. The dad's going to stay home right. with the baby. And after four years, the child be old enough for preschool and the dad could head off to medical school. So, I mean, look, idealistic, yes. But, you know, it's also becomes very charming in the context of the plot. There are difficult segments where In Kwan, the former gangster dad, uh, really does beat the shit out of his son for um, defying him and keeping the baby. And Ho Sik really emotionally um, damages his daughter by threatening to cut her out of his life. But eventually we see these two guys have to make this decision. Are they going to continue to treat their children as funnels for their own egos and like missed opportunities? Or are they going to allow them to make their own life choices and try to take responsibility and in doing so heal their past rift? So I felt like this was a Romeo and Juliet trope that was done very well. And from the point of the drama from there, the whole show just goes from strength to strength for me. And there's so many stories. This is just one. So that's why I don't feel like it's a spoiler. And overall, I'm going to say this is like a five out of five drama for me. Um, A comp, like I said earlier, it really is like my mister and hometown cha-cha-cha had a baby. Um, it's more raw than say the reply series or hospital playlist, but as I loved those and love this, I do think that they're good comps. I think the difference is that not all the characters are really particularly likable, but as you learn their stories and watch them have like a defined arc, you really feel hopeful. And, um, I think the drama is very realistic as much as a guy who looks like Kim Woo Bin can be like living in a bus as a fishing captain, who's also this gentle giant can be realistic. But here's some reasons I think you should watch it. I think the human condition is always fascinating. There are no office politics or palace politics. (laughs) Um, so, you know, we have this heavy characterization that's happening, but we don't have like these like behind the scenes grappling. It is more just like really slice of life people living their lives. You know what I'm saying? 
And the setting of Jeju, we don't have like endless dark, endless winter. The island is very beautiful. It's very lovely. But for some of these characters, it also does feel like a prison because it's an island and you're trapped by the sea. Um, And I feel like if you want to take your time with a community that's going to end up feeling like family by the end, you should watch it. And of particular note, I really appreciated that many of the women are Hanyo, uh, the traditional female divers. And this ranges from young women who are like quite physically strong and kind of just beginning their careers to very elderly women who have been doing this for a long time and are honestly, frankly, just badass. And and to like cap it all off as the cherry on top, Kim Woo Bin is their boat captain. So, like, he's taking these, like, badass women out day after day to, like, do their thing in the ocean. So, while he's, like, you know, giant badass, he's, like, not the hero of the story, right? These women really are. Um, And then something else I do want to add is there is a character who has Down syndrome, which is not something I've really seen explored in K-drama overall. Um, I do think it's done well, albeit painfully at times, but there's an odd part that also could be a translation issue where they allude that she once suffered from schizophrenia, but doesn't now. And I felt like that, like, kind of, like, treatment of mental illness does come across a little bit ham-fisted, and frankly, it's just not possible. And just as a side note, like, people with Down syndrome actually statistically have less of a chance of developing schizophrenia. So it kind of reminded me, Amy, of when we watch Boys Over Flowers and we find out that, like, one of the F4 members was, like, said to have been healed from his autism (laughs) by, like, the power of, like, teenage love. So, you know, no. And I don't know if this is an odd translation. It is Netflix, after all. But it is a little jarring to have that statement come up. And it's definitely problematic. But given that the rest is so well done and thoughtful and sensitive, I do want to flag it because, like, it did stick out for me in watching it. And I, you know, I didn't want to, like, have this recommendation go without kind of, like, pointing out that bit. You did a good job. But honestly, all you had to say was Kim Woo Bin. That's all you... And, like, and like it's, and he's alive at the end of the drama? Like... Um, I will say, look, if my mister would have focused way more on his community and neighborhood, I would have liked it more. So actually telling me that it's kind of a cross between my mister and that it's a lot of like inner workings of the human condition crossed with like more neighborhood stuff and a community like hometown cha-cha-cha, that does sell me. Yeah, so it's much more, it is exactly like if you looked at the neighborhood and these people that are like yeah. flawed humans living in the neighborhood, that's what this yeah. this drama is that. That was the best, that's the part of my mystery I enjoyed. And that's what I talked about in the in the podcast. I really liked um, that part. And so to me, I actually wasn't sure about this, but you did a good job. Yeah, I mean, whew, I want to see that. I just, you know, like I said, I almost didn't finish it. And that would have been a real tragedy. It's just I was very much like, ew, this is not like, I don't like this at all. <laughs> and I think you might, you'll probably feel that way too. It's not that it's not interesting, but it's not right. like nice. And it's good to know that sometimes like the Earl, sometimes dramas do have to like get their stride, you know, and sometimes yeah. it doesn't happen until, you know, four or five. A middle class man being sensitive at the expense of a woman and her happiness is how the first three episodes go and they're not making excuses for it but you have to be on that journey to start it which is ew but they also like the show is saying it's ew too i guess (laughs) right yeah but i'm willing to give it a chance for sure yeah so this is just much less like i feel like hometown cha cha has more of like a disney version of what our blues ultimately is and also i have to say that it was a true delight and probably like one of the surprise takeaway wins for me was to see um lee jung-un Uh, who, you know, was our, like, cannibalistic housekeeper in Strangers from Hell, who's been in, like, I feel like every drama I've watched lately. 
it was really good to just watch her like not be a crazy person (laughs) and to just be this like very feisty middle-aged woman who um is working class and calls people out in their bullshit and like doesn't have like a husband hidden in a basement isn't noshing on folks like hasn't abandoned her child like she's just like she's like the beating heart of the community yeah because she was the mom and when the camellia blooms too Right, right absolutely now it's my turn. So look, I am going to try This actually might be kind of a hard sell, but I'm going to try and sell you guys a military prosecutor Doberman. And this is starring An Bo Hyun as Dobe Man and Joe Boa as Cha Woo In. So just for the record, we re- we previously saw Joe Boa in Tale of the Ninetale. That was the, the heroine, which I liked her in, in Tale of the Ninetale. She's the source of Who Raised Gia? So, in Military Prosecutor Doberman, uh, Dobeman is a slightly crooked or maybe really crooked military prosecutor who is always chasing more money and more power. I mean, I do want to say he's he's a shitty person in the beginning. And actually, that... But he's, like, shitty in, like, a charming, snarky way. Um, and you kind of could see there was, like, something beneath him. But he's, he's definitely pretty unlikable at the beginning. I mean, he's still on Hyun. But I liked that because I was like, okay, where are they going to take this character? Like, I love that they kind of took a risk on making the male lead because uh, he's he's definitely more of like the Ooh. lead even over. Do you um, mean she has Joe an, Boa, do you, But making do you the male lead super unlikable from from the get go is kind not of not an alter kind of ego. <laughs> so anyway, he's kind of a crappy person until he meets his new military prosecutor partner, Cha Wu In. And we then learn she kind of has like an alter ego and a, (laughs) but we learn she has an alter ego and that her appointment at his side was really no coincidence. So she's had her eyes on Dobeman for a while. She basically, Dobeman, of course, you know, his parents died and he was a kid because that's just, (laughs) that's what K-dramas do. But we don't know the details of his parents' death. They died in a car accident and that's all Dobeman thinks. But Cha In knows what really happened. And so she basically shows him, look, your place is not as a crooked military prosecutor, but it's at my side getting revenge on who killed your parents. So not, because not like the office politics in my, my mister. <laughs> yeah. So. Yes. Well, she has both. She has both. She has an alter ego. <laughs> An alter ego with yes, an ulterior motive. Thank you. No, saying. that's exactly the word I was looking for. Thank you, Amy. So she does. She has an alter ego with an ulterior motive. God, see, this is why this is why we work together. <laughs> anyway, so they really are facing an uphill battle because it's basically they need to fight kind of this. I'm going to use layman's terms because I don't know all the terms of like the top dogs in the military. <laughs> of South Korea. But yeah, there's basically a a council of like military elite that they um, have to fight. And I really like that among the military elite, uh, the members were jockeying for power as well. And in a way that I cared, like I felt invested in who was going to win or lose. They did a good Right. Like, I didn't necessarily care who won or lost that. But in this one, I I do care because there's almost like there's almost levels of who is bad. And then just kind of like um, you kind of knew which final 
villain that they were going to fight. And you wanted that <laughs> showdown to happen. Uh, and, you know, I just really love the Dobemon. You know, he his character is so good. He's capable. He's snarky. He has a great character arc because he really uh, he then kind of has to, like, reconcile what he did in the past. I mean, he was a, a shitty person and he hurt people and uh, people that were powerless and he didn't he didn't help them and so he really has to reconcile that with the new path he's on because cha Wu in kind of is like look you're a crappy person but you can change who you were and she's really great she's like an alpha female she's got these like kick-ass physical skills which were they believable like hell no she's like (laughs) she's like small and I mean, she, they would have her take on like 10 full grown men that were supposed to be gangsters. And like, I mean, just put them out. Like all of a sudden they just like passed out, you know, like that kind of like that kind of fighting. And it was hysterical. I was like, look, I, I'm not saying a, a woman can't do that, but like no one can. Like, <laughs> you know what I'm saying? But I also didn't care because like it felt good to watch her just like kick so the shit out like 10 guys i was like sure Dobermans i like sign me up i'll watch her like, that's, like at one point i think yeah, she like whips like off a windshield wiper okay. and is just like whipping these <laughs> men. okay and it's like so, and it's like on a bridge i mean it's so ridiculous and i was like this is great like this is so entertaining to me like thank you i'll watch this um yeah and she's also really smart and she is pretty like closed off but she is loyal to the people who are close to her so um look i i wasn't gonna watch this drama i was really kind of turned off by the title because it was just really weird you know i remember i said the it i remember I, it's not the best right, i told titles. my husband i was like i'm you know i'm watching military prosecutor doberman and he just looked at me and he goes those words do not go together and i was like i know i know it's weird um, but I got it as I watched it. I mean, his his name is Dobeman, which obviously sounds like Doberman. And there is a, a Doberman dog. It's not his, but well, it's a long story. But there is one in the in the drama. There are many references to how he's kind of like a loyal dog. Like he would he would say like he was kind of a loyal dog to like the bad guys. But then he was like, you know what, Cha Wu In, I'll be your loyal dog, which was like a little kinky to me. I was kind of into it. So (laughs) (laughs) yeah, I think you just sold me. (laughs) Like at one point he looks at her and he's like, like, I'm your loyal dog. You tell me where to bite and I'll bite. I'm like, ooh. So but not that they didn't say it in a sexy way. But like, I took it that way because I'm just going to anyway. And then like straight up, shallow reasons i watched it for on bo hyun like it's no secret that i love him but it's really not just for his looks i love him as an actor and i like the roles he chooses um and the characters he plays and i did really like joe boa and tell the night tailed but really it's like on bo hyun in an actual role that had him in like a military uniform a lot and i was into that so I would give this like a solid four out of five. It was fun. It was full of action. And it had some external conflict and battle for power that I felt invested in. And look, Dobemon really had like a whole character arc where he, you know, he there was a he did some terrible things and he really had to kind of learn like what forgiveness was and how like how he can't just like 
I like kind of the storyline where he just can't be like, forgive me. So you have to forgive me. Like you have, you have to like take actions and you also have to accept if that person is never going to forgive you. And I've, I always, I, I love that. And I liked his character growth. I thought um, he ended, you know, he ended the drama just being like a great dude as opposed to, you know, the shitty one he started out with. And they didn't shy away from putting him kind of like through the ringer on that either. So, um, and there are a lot of characters and a lot of moving parts. I mean, you definitely got uh, some scenes where that's like just the villains when they're plotting. Um, but I, I, I still had many moments where I was, I gasped. I did like, did not see the, the twisting Leo, and turning of the, of the plot coming. <laughs> so I would say the action felt less like my name, which was like really brutal <laughs> really bloody sad <laughs> just fighting um and a lot more like lawless lawyer and which lawless lawyer really is my direct comp for this drama i if you like lawless lawyer i truly think you'll like military prosecutor doberman they had similar vibes you know kind of this like revenge plot against people with power that felt you know untouchable and but of course you know we have scrappy leads who find the way uh, and like Lawless Lawyer, the big baddie is a very capable, but also like a pretty scary woman, which I always, I, you know, I like that about Lawless Lawyer too. I mean, I'll talk about that. Yeah, the uh, the, lawless, the Lawless Lawyer part is what gives me the pause. I know. Um, I know. It, I don't know. I would say, I, I can't decide which one I liked better because I did like Anno Ju, but I would say overall as a lead, I liked An Bo Hyun better. And I thought An Bo Hyun had a better like character arc than Lee Joon Gi in, in Lawless Lawyer. So one thing I do want to say is that there's, there's not much romance. It's very, very subtle between Do Bae Man and Sha Woo In, but here's why I was okay with it. So they started out pretty wary of each other. For good reason. Like, Anbo Hyun's basically like, you're not going to mess up what I got going on because I get paid to be crooked and I want money and power. And she, as, you know, now that I have yeah, the right term, have she any, has like, an ulterior sad, motive. unrequited love showers because of her. <laughs> and, um, <laughs> but they slowly, throughout the drama, become very close and they learn to trust each other and become very important in each other's lives. And they actually developed what I think is like a beautiful friendship. Like, I have to be honest, the law, like in Lawless Lawyer, there was a romance, but the romance was like super, f it, it was what well, was like flat and empty. And, and so where military prosecutor Doberman didn't necessarily have like a physical romance, I thought the relationship between them was better. They had like conversations about like Dobeman had to like talk through his like, midlife crisis with her and he's like i was a terrible person and she's like well here are the steps you can take to be a better person and like you know what i mean that was like a real friendship and they came to like really care about each other and not in a way that was just like well the script says you're my love interest do you know what i mean i, I mean it sounds fun to me like i i liked lawless lawyer i'm i'm here for for action being a big part of the plot. Um, so. But yeah, by the end, you know, that friendship was blossoming into more. Like, they definitely alluded to that. And I guess, you know, I was okay with that. I was invested in, like, their undefinable relationship as much as I would have been if it was a very clear romance. 
So I would say, you know, if if you ask me, is there a, a romantic HEA? I would say it's implied, but I felt content. To me, I think this drama maybe just had a little bit more heart when it came to the good guys, if that makes <laughs> sense. Like, I, you know, there was kind of a really neat crew and overall it, it was that core friendship that gave me the feels, you know what I mean, for this drama. So, look, I, you know, it's fun, it's twisty, the villains are great, and Anbo Hyun looks absolutely amazing. Like, I really want to talk to whoever was in charge of wardrobe, because they got it. Like, he was either in full military uniform, jeans and a leather jacket with, like, a tight t-shirt, because of course, or, like, a custom tailored suit. Like, at one point, he's, like, running around in this, like, custom maroon tailored (laughs) suit, and I am like, you gotta be kidding me. And... And, and also he might have been, you know, in sweatpants with no shirt a time or two. But really, it's it's a fun plot. And I had no idea how it was going to end. And look, I would say, like, if you're in the mood for a drama, that's not going to, it's not going to put you through, like, an emotional ringer. There isn't, there's, like, angst, but it's, like, an action kind of angst. Does that make sense? So um, it's not, it's not going to gonna kill you. Um, I do want to add though um some trigger warnings um you know these are military prosecutors so they're dealing with like real traumatic crimes like among the like humor and the twists and turns that you know there's some real serious stuff going on so there's definitely some extreme bullying like enough to make me like really cringe um a few references to sexual assault and then there there is like a, a mass shooting so just like anyway I, I want to give a trigger warning for those things, but I think the drama handles um, handles it well, so or handles everything well. So yeah, I mean, like I said, I think it's. I love how I'm like. There's a mass shooting, but it's a fun watch. Like, <laughs> but I mean, I, I'll say to me on Bohyun, I, I want him to be in more roles like this because I really think he's kind of made for these like action roles where he gets to be charming. Uh, you know, he does humor really, really well and he doesn't always get to do humor in some of his dramas. I thought he his humor was fantastic in Yumi Cells. Um, banter with Cha Woo In was wonderful. Uh, it's just you have to be prepared to not like him when when you start out. I mean, they try to curb it a little bit, but you're like, no, he's... He's kind of a terrible person, but he has really great uh, character growth. And yeah, I was into it. And yes, there's a Doberman with a diamond collar. And something else I just want to say as like kind of like a tangent, (laughs) but like sometimes I'm careful and I know it's ridiculous because these are people that don't know we're alive. (laughs) But I've tried to give you space in some of your fantasy areas to like not encroach. And I've tried to do this with An Bo Hyun and I've tried to do it with Tom Hardy a little bit. But the truth of the matter is, is that like, even though I know that An Bo Hyun is like your K-drama like boyfriend... And, like, I'm happy for the two of you and wish you, like, a long life together. And I support that. Like, I do feel like sometimes I am going to crawl through his bedroom window at night. And, like, <laughs> you know, oh, it's it, it's just what it is. <laughs> right. Same. <laughs> no, there was a, I just, actually, like, yeah. tweeted, someone uh, tweeted a picture from, like, Yumi Sells 2. And it's Kim Go On. Ji Young from Got Seven. He's amazing. And Anbo Hyun. And they're all wearing baseball hats. And I'm just like, I don't actually, 
I, when I first saw the picture, didn't even know who was in the photo with him because all I saw was An Bo Hyun and how good he looks in a baseball hat that I, I honestly, I retweeted it without even knowing who else was in the photo, which is terrible because I love both those other actors. But like, I was that distracted. He looks, I just, I just love him. And again, he's in, he's just so good in this drama and he, and he, it just is a great role for him. He gets to, he's so good at action. He's so freaking tall. <laughs> at one point he just... They, they this isn't this this plot this whole like scene didn't even seem like it was necessary they one time like had him jump into like a lake or river fully clothed he didn't he didn't like need he didn't like need to like they tried to be like that's the only way he can escape i don't really think so it didn't matter he so he's like drenched and you're just like great <laughs> I think, too, like, he's not as weird, and I don't think he would, like, really be allowed to honestly be as eccentric and weird because he's in dramas, not in, like, cinema as much, uh, to be like Tom Hardy. But there is something about both of them that, like, is not dissimilar, too. Like, I could see him, like, being unleashed in the same way that Tom Hardy has, like, is fully unleashed if he ever got into, like, film. I absolutely think so, because, so... I know in my name that he played a pretty conventional character, but the risks that plot kind of took and like where it took his character, I think he was, I think he probably loved it. He's probably like, I think he's a weirdo. I think he's a weirdo to his bones. I think he's a total weirdo. He loves to get beat up. Like even in military prosecutor Doberman, he's like, of course, he's like beat up at one point like just bloody and i'm like really yeah like the emotional pain that he allows to be inflicted on him in her private life which is like a cotton candy feminist drama yeah yeah and he just loves to like get beat up or die and it it does you know i just i just i anyway i love him please make me not happy ever (laughs) <laughs> yeah, I would love to see him in something like just crazy for sure, like a Tom Hardy like taboo situation. Yeah, I want. I mean, don't Can you imagine <laughs> if he was in a like a K cinema, yeah, version of Taboo, I would lose my fucking mind. Yeah, well, look, if anyone <laughs> I would be has like seen... knocking you over out of the way to crawl to him. <laughs> yeah. Like, look, uh, so I watched One Night in Paradise, which is a K movie on Netflix, which is just violent brutal it's just brutal it's just all violent 100 percent, 100 percent. uh on bohyun could have could have played that role absolutely i can see him playing it i would have been devastated and actually i, w- I wouldn't have seen it if he like no way because it, it was it's brutal but um i could see him in that role for sure he's just that type of actor so yeah, I just like him. I like the roles he chooses. I'm glad I saw Military Prosecutor Doberman because it made me get to see him in like a little bit of a new light as well, based on what he's done. What what was he in my, her private life? Nam Ungi, Ungi, right? Mm-hmm. So he's like Ungi, a in little that bit. little tie, never getting the girl. Oh my dressing gosh. up in the suit. To okay, make so his he's play. in military prosecutor. Prosecutor Doberman, he's maybe like Ungi, who never got the girl, joined the military, and was like, I just want to be rich now, fuck the girls. And then he like, and then he had a glow up and realized he was a shitty person. Yeah, basically. That's what Okay. So, now that I'm like properly turned on, and <laughs> problematically so... Right. I know. <laughs> Let's just say, like, you know, we've done some good job, I think, on doing some sales pitching here. I'm definitely intrigued in both. 
Same. Um, but, you know, what's an honorable mention? What is a drama that we've watched that, um, you know, the others have not and we think that they should? Like, what's something that we would like to do on the pod that we just want to be like, please, throw us a bone, y'all? You know, one that I watched a long time ago um, that you guys haven't watched yet, and I, I hope that you someday, someday do, is The Legend of the Blue Sea. Um, and I initially watched this drama for two reasons. Yes. Because, you know, Lee Min Ho. Um, but also because the writer of Legend of the Blue Sea is the same writer as Crash Landing on You. And so this was in my early drama watching days that I was like, oh my gosh, Crash Landing on You. It's like the best writing ever. What else has, you know, has she written and stuff like that. And um, it's very, very different. I mean, it's about a mermaid, right? It's about, it's a mermaid who comes to land to find her, you know, generations old, reincarnated, you know, true love. Um, and it's Jun Ji Hyun, who is the mermaid. And we know that she's amazingly beautiful and amazingly awesome at physical comedy from My Love from Another Star. And I saw her in this first and I was like, who is this woman that it, it's like, it's like Lucille Ball level, you know, like mm-hmm. physical comedy. Yes, totally. But but like one of the most beautiful creatures I've ever seen, you know. Yes. And it is, it's all of that. It is not, I mean, it's not going to put you through the emotional ringer by any means. It is a lot of fun stuff, you know, to, to look at. But, um, you know, as far as the actress. But then also, this was the first drama that I saw um, Sung Dong Il in, who, you know, is dad in Reply 1988. And now we're watching him in um, in Prison Playbook. And he is the villain in Legend of the Blue Sea. And that was the first thing I ever saw him in. So then when I saw him as this, like, you know, sweet dad in Reply as a priest in Hospital Playlist. Like, it's just, it's funny that this was the first thing that I saw him in. And now it's kind of fun to go back, you know, and watch him in Prison Playbook where he more fits into that sort of, you know, villainous role. But, um, yeah, it's just, I, I think it's a fun drama, and I think it would be a fun one to talk about. And, uh, you know, also a, a good romance, too. I really do want to watch that, actually. Really, really want to watch it. And for me, I know I still have an uphill climb, but uh, me saying I will continue to make plugs for (laughs) it's another slice of life drama um, with the story essentially being centered around uh, Gu Ray, who is played by MC Wan, who I love him. I just love this guy. This little compact king is the best. And anyway, it is a story about, um, you know, Reply 1988 really touched a lot on Baduk. And um, what it's like to be a professional Baduk player in um, Yusang Gure uh, fails right out of the gate. Like the opening is he's not going to be a professional Baduk player. He spent his whole life, um, much like Tech did as a young boy, like trying to like make it in the world of Baduk. He's very, very good, but he's not going to make he's not turning pro. However, he's done nothing else. He hasn't gone to college. He's got a high school degree and that's it. And given the fact that, um, you know, he was well regarded at playing Baduk, he gets hired as a temporary intern at One International, a great name, which is a big trading company in Seoul. So we do have all office politics, although in my mind, it is not cartoonish like I found my mister to be, unfortunately. It felt it feels like integral. It's just it's set in an office. 
um, just without like the humor of the office. <laughs> um, but you know, his manager saying Schick is this workaholic who's got like a sundere personality, but a heart of gold. Uh, there's Yogi, who is another intern who is a woman and really kind of like shows like the difficulty of working as a woman in, um, you know, corporate, uh, a corporate environment in Seoul. She attracts everyone's ire because she is just freaking super competent at everything she does. And then we have Bat Yi, played by Kong Ha Nul, to like absolute profession, perfection as this like geeky coworker who's like always adjusting his glasses and is kind of well actually with like an anxious personality that masks the fact that he's like a shark inside. And so Gure kind of is like this hapless yet, you know, Bajuk playing savvy character who like kind of has to navigate and adapt to the corporate culture. And he uses Bajuk as his guide to kind of achieve that. I love that. And actually, I am interested in that. I don't necessarily mind office politics if they feel like really integral. You know what I mean? Um, and really backed up with like solid characterizations. And so I honestly think it sounds good. And it's more of the 20 something intern story with like right. seeing some of the older folks then who are kind of I do like some of the friendships of the older characters, like the managers, because like, you know, they've been there and had to go through similar challenges. But it is more of that sense of like young people trying to make their way. But woof. It's hard and good. So mine is All of Us Are Dead. And I loved it for a lot of reasons that wasn't just zombies. So yes, it's a, <laughs> <laughs> so yes, it's a, it's a zombie drama. And that's definitely like how it was marketed. Um, but sometimes I don't necessarily love that it gets passed off as just like, oh, it's one of those like, it's another gory zombie drama. And like, yes, it is. But there was also a lot to this drama and a lot that was also very specific to Korean society uh, that I that I read up on later. So I don't really like that. It's sort of just like passed off as just like, you know what I mean? Like a a gory offering on Netflix, because it's really so much more than that. Um, It's really backed up by, you know, these like real human emotions and interpersonal relationships. Um, It's set in a school. So these are high school students. And so obviously these are and they feel like high school students like that's another thing i really want to get across most of them were very young at filming like they were like 19 20 21 so they are they're young and they they feel young in the drama and i like that i felt like they acted like teenagers they acted like kids um and i feel like they had a lot of growth in how they related to each other um there was a a lot of kind of nod to the seawall fairy disaster that i think is very important not even just for like koreans i feel like that that everything what they were trying to say with this drama has in my opinion like universal not appeal connotations or relation you know you can relate on a universal level and it just it just really got me like i don't know how to say it got me um in like a gut heart level and there is it was just greenlit for season two and normally i'm like a season two of k dramas i'm not into it but you could tell at the end of this drama that they were setting you up for like more of the story okay so so it fits like it absolutely fits like and and i and i did read a little bit about i think they always intended to try to extend this story so it doesn't just feel like they're tacking on it feels like this was always the 
the goal. Because um, honestly, what, like the last episode, I remember thinking, this can't be all. Oh my God, there's still more story to tell. Oh my God, there's more story to tell. You know what I mean? And, um, you know, there's like different zombie lore, which is which is very cool. I always love kind of changes to the zombie lore. Like there was basically like, they call them like hambies because they're like half human, half zombies. Mm. Which um, is really cool. And you kind of like learn... And, you know, and I feel like in every zombie movie, there's like tells when you know a person's going to turn into a zombie. And of course, this one does. They like have nosebleeds and just everything about it was was so cool. And, I, and I'm really eager to see where season two uh, narrative takes takes these kids and kind of like what else the narrative has to say, because I think it had a lot to say um, in season one. I definitely want to see it. Yeah, I do, too. It's just, uh, and I mean, I don't know. I, I hope I'm not overselling it, but for me, it to me, it's still one of my favorite dramas of the year. And again, just like it hit me. I think honestly, anytime I see like clips from the show, I, I'm like taken back to like feeling like I did when I was watching it. You know what I mean? And I feel like that's always kind of a clue that something really hit you. Blah. All right. Well, I think uh, I think we've all got some dramas to watch because I I feel pretty sold on our blues and on Milla military prosecutor doberman that is not an easy one to say that does not just roll off the tongue but i but i'm gonna watch it even though i'm not gonna say it again so thank you all for listening i hope we've sold you on some dramas as well and if you've got some dramas you know that you want to sell us on you know where to find us instagram email all over the place so thanks for listening everybody we'll see you next time Annyeong. Annyeong. Thank you for listening to Afternoon of Delight. Make sure to subscribe for more great K-Romance conversation. And be sure to follow us on Instagram and Twitter at Afternoon of Delight Podcast for more information on our podcast, behind-the-scenes photos, and, of course, pics of our favorite opas and unis. Annyeong! Annyeong!